This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, John Beeler. We've got a really great program today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the latest update to iPhones. It is a must-have to protect your privacy. It actually makes app developers get your permission to track you. So if you're concerned about privacy, you need to understand what this is all about. And if you have an Apple Watch, you can unlock your iPhone while you're wearing a mask just with your watch. Even cooler. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, be talking with our uh, good friend Michael Geist all about Bill C-10. The Liberal government with the CRTC wants to regulate the digital streaming services like the Netflixes and Amazon Primes. I get that because the world is changing and that's how broadcasting is going. They are also in Bill C-10 putting in a provision to regulate user-generated content. So these are podcasts. These are videos and content that we upload to YouTube and TikTok. This is something that we get connected. We do all the time. Yes. So they want to regulate that too. What does that mean? Well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, we'll talk to Michael Geist all about that. And competition. We're always concerned about wireless competition uh, here in Canada. We've got Carmi Levy from the Infotech Research Group to talk to us about MVNOs, Mobile Virtual Network Operators. These are small cell phone carrier companies here in Canada that might play a bigger role in helping get more competition to the wireless space to hopefully get the pricing down. We'll understand what that's all about, who can actually participate, and will it make a difference? I hope to God it does. Let's get into some of the uh, the mobile uh, news uh, right now. The big thing, and I, I just want to, we've repeated this on some of our other outlets. There's a big Rogers wireless scam going on right now. You remember the big outage they had last week, the one day that their entire system went down? We're all going to get credits for that if you're on Rogers. And that will typically come off your bill. And it's automatic. Automatic. You don't, you don't have, to have do to, any. Nothing. Nope. Will it be great? No. No, probably $3. Like $3 or something like that. So there's a text going out to a lot of Rogers users that is trying to scam them. Yeah, it's, it says like it's big bold letters, Rogers Wireless Inc. As you know, we had an outage last week and to make up for our mistake, we're offering you a credit of $50. Wow, that sounds great. All you have to do is click this link. Don't click the link. It looks doesn't even look like a real link. It's just a bunch, a bunch of uh, numbers. So it's not yeah. even a URL. It's a scam. It's a scam. It's too good to be true. It is a scam. Rogers has even confirmed this uh, as well. And they've got some instructions if you come across this. Yeah. So you can actually, if you're a Rogers customer, you can forward any scams or spams that you get via text messages. Uh, typically, you'll get them via SMS, not iMessage, uh, to 7726. And then that'll add that particular message to their spam team to look at it. And they might even be able to turn that off so nobody else will get that message from that particular uh point of entry. Let's look at some of the other mobile news. Uh, this is interesting. Apple uh, introduced a new feature with their podcasts on iTunes that will allow podcast creators, kind of like us, to actually monetize our podcasts. We can charge people to subscribe to them. It's kind of like Patreon, though, because you kind of have to like pay to get in, right? Yes. So, um, but this, what's interesting about Apple doing it is Apple gets 30%. Yes. Uh, for the first, I think the first year, and then at the second year, it's good drops down to fifteen percent. Yeah, hopefully people will want to pay. <laughs> yeah, pay for your podcast. Well, it looks like Spotify is getting into the game as well. Yeah, but they're not taking as much. No, no, no. How much? Uh, I think it's uh, 
the program is for the first year is free. Like, so the creators get all the money. Yeah. And then uh, I think after the second year, there there's the different sort of tiers of uh, percentages that like a five percent fee for access to the tool. Yeah. Well, that's a hell of a deal. Yeah. Well, that's gonna. I think all the podcast people will go to Spotify. I wonder if that'll change Apple's tune. It never has before, though. Their iTunes. <laughs> Their iTunes, <laughs> so to speak. Well, yeah, because I mean, why would you want to give thirty percent of whatever measly subscription fees you're getting yeah. to Apple when Spotify will give you more of it? Well, again, if you are a podcaster or thinking of getting into podcasting, this is definitely something to look in to. Apple obviously has got their whole ecosystem and there's no question they've got audience as well to yeah. help promote that type of stuff. But Spotify, they're huge. Yeah. They're huge. And so uh, that might be another alternative if you get all of the revenue for the first two years. Yeah. I think they're really trying to build up their, their base of podcasts right now. Well, I, I'm, I'm curious, like I haven't read all the rules, but can you put it on both? Probably not. Yeah, I would imagine. We'll right? find out and we'll get back to you yeah. uh, on that. Again, we've got a great program today. We'll be talking about uh, new competition for wireless in Canada, mobile virtual network operators, small little carriers that can expand outside of their region and all the different rules behind that. We've got Carmi Levy coming on the line to talk about it. Also, the CRTC wants to regulate your own content that you're uploading to YouTube or TikTok. Is this good or bad? And we'll also be chatting about iOS 14.5, the latest update to uh, iPhones that protects tracking from apps and also allows you to unlock your phone with your watch. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. We talk a lot about the telecoms. Uh, It's uh, a hot topic here in Canada. I think a lot of us feel that we aren't getting a fair shake when it comes to pricing compared to the rest of the world. Uh, Until recently, uh, I found that when there is increased competition uh, here in Western Canada with Shaw Mobile coming into play, we found that prices dropped, strangely. (laughs) And then Rogers wanted to buy them. Yes, that's a whole other... (laughs) Hold on, other ball of wax there. But we're going to talk today about uh, MVNOs. These are mobile virtual network operators. On the line, we've got our good friend Carmi Level, Level, Carmi Levy from the Infotech Research Group. Thanks for joining us, Carmi. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, I wanted to talk about this because, in theory, this might offer a little more competition. And I just wanted to educate our audience a little more on what uh, MVNOs are and. Uh, uh, Carmi, who who can actually participate in this this new offering? Because there are a few of these companies already in Canada. That's right. So an MVNO is typically, a, you know, we've got the big three, Bell, Rogers, and Telus. We also have SaskTel, which is included in sort of that group of big telecom players. And then you have a whole bunch of other smaller players who can't afford to build their own national network. And so what they do, in some cases, they'll build a regional network, and then they'll partner with a Bell, a Rogers, or a Telus to gain access to their networks through a wholesale agreement. So they'll sell access to their wireless infrastructure, and then the smaller players then in turn resell it to their customers. Uh, There are also complete MVNOs, which basically have no infrastructure at all. They've never built a cell phone tower. They don't have any uh, spectrum at all, and they exist simply through the networks of others. Uh, And so what the CRTC has done here is uh, it has allowed MVNOs that already have built some kind of regional infrastructure that already have cell towers in some parts of the country, as well as spectrum, 
It's allowed them to go ahead and have access through wholesale agreements with the big three and SaskTel. The other side of the deal is if you're an MVNO that you don't have any infrastructure, wireless infrastructure or uh, spectrum, you're shut out. You do not have access. This deal does not allow you to negotiate uh, a deal with, say, a Rogers, a Bell, or a TELUS so that you can then expand to other geographies across the country where those national networks are. Uh, this only applies to MVNOs that have made that investment, at least to start with, on a smaller scale. What are some examples of that in Canada? Uh, so, for example, uh, there's uh, Ice Wireless in the far north, so they provide service uh, in the north. There's Videotron in the, uh, based in Quebec, uh, but they've made it very clear that they have national aspirations as well. There's Fizz. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the captive brands as well, so Virgin Mobile, Fido, Kudo, those are, those are, of course, owned by the big three, but technically those also qualify as MVNOs. And also, technically, they're not eligible for this because they're already owned and they don't have their own network. So they're so fi- well. Why would they even want to be? Because they're already. <laughs> I don't understand. That's right. Yeah. Well, or, or, originally, many of these captive players were, in fact, freestanding brands, and yes. then they were ultimately acquired by the big three. And so, critics of what the CRTC is doing now say it's almost like Groundhog Day. But we've seen this game play out before. The CRTC opens up the landscape a little bit, makes it easier for smaller players to gain a toehold by, you know, by making it easier for them to, for example, get spectrum or negotiate partnerships with larger players. And then as they grow and their revenues and profitability grow and they get a larger uh, uh, end user base, uh, the larger players come sniffing and they just basically write a really big check and take them in. Uh, That's how all of these captive brands came to be. So there's nothing in what the CRTC is doing now that says that two, three, five years from now, that's not going to happen. There is a bit of a stay of execution. There's a kind of a three-year waiting period for any deals to happen. But after that, anyone's guess. What's the minimum requirement then as far as infrastructure? Could I start Mike Mobile, put a cell tower in my backyard? <laughs> you know, I was reading the language. And they didn't say exactly how much. They just said uh, MVNOs that have already invested in infrastructure and spectrum. So, uh, you know, my read of that is if you have one cell phone tower with, you know, appropriate hardware and software, and if you somehow manage to get uh, some spectrum based on that, then I guess technically you meet the requirements. But the reality is, is you need a lot more than that in, in order to provide some kind of service to a particular region in Canada. So uh, these are only players that have been around for a while and that have already made that multi-million dollar, in many cases, you know, sort of tens of millions or even more uh, investments. Uh, and now they want to reach that next level. But in order to do that, uh, it's just too expensive to build on their own. They need to partner. What about the rest of the world? How do they treat MVNOs um, in the U.S. and Europe, for example? Um, there's been a, you know, there, it, there's far less restriction in other geographies when it comes to MVNOs. In Canada, the big three have very successfully lobbied to our national regulator that they have spent the billions of dollars to build out their networks and that they don't want to simply hand over access to smaller players that haven't made similar sacrifices. They say that it's anti-competitive. They say that our market uh, already has enough choice and that the prices are relatively fair given our geography and our population. 
population density. And they don't see why we have to follow a European or an, a- or an Asian model. Uh, elsewhere in the world, it's, it's pretty much built into uh, uh, telecom regulatory frameworks that uh, those, you know, the, the larger players who build the infrastructure do need to provide certain accesses based on individually negotiated partnerships with smaller players. Um, so virtue or MVNOs really have been a global thing long before they were a Canadian thing. And the smaller players have really been trying to impose on the CRTC. It's time to follow that model elsewhere. It's time to stop believing the big telecom companies that they're going to somehow be harmed by allowing wholesale access to their physical infrastructure, their wireless networks. And they're still getting the money at the end of the day anyways. That's right. It's it's not that they lose revenue. I mean, yes, it, technically, this you know an MVNO could then compete for that customer, uh, but at the same time, the 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 you know the member of the big three, the larger player that built this network in the first place, is getting wholesale revenue. So you know, it's not that there's no revenue from it. It's just a different kind. And I mean, obviously, if you're a major player, you're probably thinking, well, there goes my margin. Plus, there also goes my opportunity to upsell that customer because I don't have that direct relationship with the customer. So to a certain extent, it's fair. It's a fair argument on the part of the big three. But at the same time, if you're a Canadian consumer and you're sort of looking at this sort of region by region, for the most part, that's pretty much all the choice we have. And there isn't really a door open to smaller players entering the market. This is the mechanism that the CRTC has chosen to ensure that, you know, at least going forward, there will be more competition, not less. The CRTC's for the last 15 years has been trying different things to stoke competition. Nothing has really stuck. This is the latest effort. We talked offline about um, uh, maybe a side door that has opened as a result of this change for potential foreign players, foreign MVNOs to come in through a partnership agreement with some of these existing infrastructure heavy players, the smaller players. It's interesting. I'm kind of surprised that this isn't getting more attention than it already is, you know, because foreign uh, involvement in the Canadian market has been a hot button issue for uh, for decades. And in fact, the big three have very successfully fought against it for obvious reasons, and they've succeeded so far. Uh, but there's a back door here so that a foreign MVNO could then work with one of the smaller Canadian regional players, the ones that have gotten this permission now to seek partnerships with uh, one of the big three. And they could partner together to offer services to Canadian consumers. And so it's not that we're going to have, you know, big four and the fourth one is going to be an American company, but it at least allows American interests, American investment, American resources to get toehold in the Canadian market, which previously we've never had. So that to me is a pretty seismic change. And it'll be interesting to see if American players see that as an opportunity. And if they bite, the next few months will be pretty uh, crucial in that. I guess the other thing too is that partner with the smaller player, say one of the big threes, would mm-hmm. also have to agree to let that third party foreign interest come in. They might not want to play ball because of the Pandora's box that would open. It's conceivable. And I, I think like right now it's a theoretical possibility. We haven't seen any American operators step forward. Um, but I'm guessing that when one does and when one does draw that line in the sand, say, OK, I want to negotiate something, I would expect there to be significant opposition uh, from one of the players over from, from one of the major players over whose network this traffic would run and over whose network these services would be delivered and sold. And so uh, it's it's there's a long fight yet ahead and i would expect the big three to you know basically fight a pitched battle against this but i think it's fascinating that the crtc at least decided to 
creak the door open a little bit uh, and there's a little bit of light coming in whereas previously there was none. If the government really wanted to open up competition, why do they have like a three-year limit before the big three can come in and just gobble them up? Why wouldn't they just say, hey, it's 20 years or never? Yeah, or never. I've, I've, always, I've always wondered that because the, you know, that sort of, sort of statute of limitations isn't really long enough for any uh, regional player to achieve scale uh, or to really reach a point where they can arguably compete on a, on a regional basis or any basis really with any one of the big three. So it doesn't give them enough time to, to establish uh, a gravity or mass. Uh, and that's a problem because essentially what it does, it means the clock starts ticking as soon as the deal is in. And then basically the, the big three wait for three years and then you know they decide who they're going to buy and how much they're going to they're going to pay um and so that is problematic on a whole number of levels and i think it's probably a reasonable question for the crtc as well as industry canada uh why aren't the timelines more realistic why aren't the timelines uh, uh structured in such a way that if you are a regional player looking to expand your national presence or to at least go into other regions where you don't have a presence um, you know, why aren't you be given, being given more time to do so without the threat of acquisition by one of the big three? We're talking with Carmi Levy, Carmi Levy from the Infotech Research Group, all about MVNOs, mobile virtual network operators that will be playing a larger role in the competitive landscape that is Canada and the wireless industry. We'll see how that all plays out over the next uh, couple of years, and we'll be following this story. Thanks for joining us, Carmi. So great being here, guys. Thank you. We've got a lot more to talk about on today's uh, program, including Bill C-10 and the CRTC regulating our own user-generated content on YouTube and Facebook. You'll find out more. Stay tuned. You are back with the program, Mike and uh, John here. If you're in the Apple world, especially on the iPhone side, there's been a big update uh, this past week uh, on the iOS, the operating system. You'll probably see a little notification on your iPhone. It's uh, for iOS 14.5, and it is a pretty important update. There's a lot of uh, little features uh, bug fixes, uh, but also a huge privacy tracking feature as well that we'll get into in a moment. Uh, on the lighter side, and something uh, very relevant right now for the pandemic, uh, they have a new unlock feature for anyone that also has an Apple Watch. Yeah, this is really great. The The feature basically works like this. You, you have to have an Apple Watch that's unlocked, but has a passcode on it. So uh, when you put your watch on in the morning, for example, you typically will have to unlock it with yes. the passcode. That feature needs to be turned on for this to work. And then basically anytime you use, anywhere you would use Face ID to unlock your phone, you just basically, as long as you're wearing your watch, your watch will essentially verify you and unlock your, wa- your phone for you if you're wearing a mask, which normally would fail if you're wearing a mask. It's been a pain in the butt because when I go to the grocery store, uh, a lot of times I've got the list on in my notes app. And so I'm constantly having to unlock it, but I can unlock it with my face because I got the mask on. Then I got to put the passcode in. I know, thir- you know, first world problems, right? But it, It's amazing though how you take for granted just something simple like that, yeah. being able to do that. And what they at Apple's done is a great sort of workaround to unlock your mask, unlock your phone while wearing a mask by using your your watch as a sort of like a almost a second factor of authentication. So anyway, great feature for those uh, that have iPhones uh, and an Apple Watch and hate unlocking their phones uh, with a mask on. Yes, that have the Face ID unlock feature. Yeah, probably the other 
biggest feature, I mean, aside from all the bug fixes and all the things that normally come with these updates, is this privacy tracking functionality. And this is huge. Uh, A lot of companies like Facebook hate this. Yeah, they're really mad about this. So Apple now has made all the app developers have to get your permission for tracking you now for anything, especially when it relates to things like advertising. Yeah, so... You remember in the past when you would like go and scroll through something on the web or somewhere else on your phone and all of a sudden you go to Facebook and all of a sudden all the ads are for the things you were just looking at. Yeah, I looked at a new bike the other day Yeah, and instantly on Facebook, hey, there's that bike and ads. Yeah, so what this will prevent is those other apps and even Facebook from sharing your information. And the the intent is not to remove ads from your feeds. It's it ba- won't. It won't. Yeah. You'll just get more random weird ads. Like if you've ever gotten any ads from wish.com. Yes. <laughs> they're the most random products ever. Yeah. And that's even with tracking turned on. So <laughs> I don't understand how that works. But but essentially this will prevent those companies from having personalized ads based on your 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 browsing and viewing history, especially across other websites and other places. It's a little more difficult between apps on the iPhone uh, because those are generally sandboxed. But this basically just turns off that functionality. And then something like Facebook, for example, which heavily relies on that ad revenue to sell uh, your private information or your personal information to other companies from a marketing standpoint, they no longer no longer have that ability if you turn that feature on. Super important. And I think this is a must-have for any iPhone user uh, out there. I, I'm concerned about my privacy, like in the digital realm here. It's just getting eroded bit by bit. And so this is kind of a step in the other direction, in a positive direction, I think, just giving us more control. Yeah, although Google and Facebook and other companies that that's their business model is to sell that information. And now we're sort of taking some of that away from them. I mean, they're still going to get it from other ways and you're going to just be bombarded with random ads, but at least it's not personally tracking and creating a profile about you, which is the important thing here because they can create these ghost profiles about you, even if you're not logged into some of these web services uh, and they can just tell from where you're going and they build a profile for you. And that's, it's actually getting to the scary point where artificial intelligence is able to sort of guess what kind of bike might, might want and give you ads based around that. Right. An e-bike. Yeah. <laughs> and now my, by saying that now I'm sure I'm going to get ads for it some, yes. somehow. Uh, I want to throw to our contest. We're uh, giving away a couple hundred dollar Amazon gift cards. Uh, we're actually going to shut this contest down uh, pretty soon here. So all you have to do is go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. And at the front page there, there's a, a, a big uh, splash image there and you click on that and it'll give you all the details. But people can also get extra entries. Yeah, this is a really fun contest for us, especially because we're asking you to find cool tech on Amazon that you like or would want to buy that's weird, unusual, fun, just not your normal stuff. And we're getting some awesome entries so far. So the cooler, weirder it is, the better chance you have of winning. But there's a bunch of other things you can do, like following us on social media accounts and other things. There's a whole list of things that you can do once you've uh, signed up for that contest. And again, getconnectedmedia.com. The information is up there and we're giving away two $100 Amazon gift cards. And do you remember last month when we had the Tut Fitness Trainer Contest? Yes. We have a winner. And the winner is? Patricia from Kitchener, Ontario. And we're the folks at Tut actually gave us a discount code. So if you're not Patricia, 
you can get 30% off a Tut Fitness Trainer if you want one at tuttrainer.ca and the code is GC30. That's a hell of a deal, like because the the base model is like about a thousand bucks. Yeah. So that's three hundred bucks off. Yeah. This fitness trainer is like all kinds of cool. John and I are actually uh, trying this out right now, and it is all kinds of awesome. And it comes uh, with this free app as well that you can load on your smartphone and get all sorts of video exercise tutorials on how to use it uh, as well. We're gonna have to take a break when we come back. More tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program, Mike and John here. We've got a great guest with us today. His name is Michael Geist. Uh, he is the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa and a member of the Centre for Law, Technology and Society. We have him on the program because we want to talk about uh, changes to Bill C-10 and uh, the government and, and the CRTC having the ability to now not only legislate uh, and regulate uh, the streaming services like the Netflixes of the world, but also social media content and podcasts, user-generated content that like you and I would make, John. Yeah, we make a lot of that type of content. I want the CRTC to mandate and regulate my, my content. <laughs> Michael, uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Is this an unusual move uh, on the Liberals' part to uh, open up this, uh, this bill to user-generated content, having the CRTC regulate it? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I, I'm not, I, there are a lot of words I'd use for it. I'm not sure unusual would <laughs> be at the top of the list. I'm being, uh, I'm being generous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're being very generous with an attempt by the government to literally regulate the speech of millions of Canadians. Um, I think it's enormously problematic. And what started as an attempt to bring large streaming services like the Netflixes and Disneys of the world into the Canadian system and require them to uh, pay to help support Canadian content has suddenly morphed into uh, literally regulating the speech of millions of Canadians, whether that's in TikTok videos, Instagram posts, Facebook posts, or podcasts, all of which is treated now as a program or would be treated under this legislation as a program that can be regulated by the CRTC. Why do you think they've gone down this path? Um, is it because they don't fully understand it and they're just trying to, to open up the fishing net to catch everything? Like, I, it, I, I don't understand it myself. Yeah, no, it feels a bit inexplicable as to why they would do that, especially given that they introduced the legislation by emphasizing that they were going to exclude this form of content. They said, we're going to exclude user-generated content. And in fact, uh, the legislation itself excluded it. So there were two exceptions in the bill. One excluded treating individuals as broadcasters. So it effectively said, just because you post something doesn't make you a broadcaster, doesn't mean you have to show up to Gatineau, where the CRTC is located for a hearing. That remains in place. But what they changed was the second part of that exception, in effect, which was an exception to say that the content that individuals create and post, whether a podcast uh, or an online video or a quick snap or uh, TikTok, all of those things are programs. And earlier we said the government said that those were going to be excluded from the ambit of the act. Now they have removed that exception. And the effect, as I say, is to bring all of that within the scope of the legislation. So it's all programs and it's all programs that can in theory be regulated by the CRTC. So is this going to happen? <laughs> well, uh, as we, you know, I think, hmm. I hope not. Um, <laughs> that's, I guess, my starting point. I think yeah. this is 
incredibly uh, problematic, dangerous legislation. You know, I think that, you know, we start, we don't start from the proposition in Canada, a place where we've got a charter of rights and freedoms, where we value freedom of expression, that the government's starting point is that it gets to regulate all of that speech. This is for, you know, an entire generation posting a TikTok or sending something uh, on Instagram is their form of speech in the way that, um, for my generation, it might have been a blog post or an email. And for earlier generations, it might have been a fax or a letter. We never would have envisioned that the CRTC would regulate the content of a fax or an email or a letter. But yet this same kind of speech in the new digital environment is somehow treated as subject to regulation. Michael, what does that actually mean for these people that are creating content like ourselves? Um, like when you say regulate that speech. Is that a new set of rules? Um, Because it gets so murky, especially with TikTok and other things where, you know, some of the biggest TikTokers, for example, are actually Canadians, but their audience is everywhere else in the world. Right. You know, and that, and and one of the the challenges, one of the problems I think with, uh, with where we find ourselves is that there is a, an enormous amount of uncertainty as to um, what the CRTC will ultimately decide. And I should note, actually, that applies for the entire bill, for all of Bill C-10. So many of the core issues in it, not just with respect to individual podcasters or TikTokers, but even with respect to the large companies, the Netflixes and Amazons and Disneys, is still very much up in the air. They've left it to the CRTC to render many of these decisions, providing very little guidance in the way of what they'd like to see. They kind of just want to be able to say, hey, we did something, wash their hands of it and say, hey, mission accomplished. But what that will mean is years of hearings, likely litigation as well, challenging this uh, before we ultimately know what exactly does the CRTC decide Uh, from a regulatory perspective. But what we do know is that they will be required to make some kind of decision about how they want to regulate something like this podcast. (laughs) I don't even know where to go with that. Um, I I read some interesting articles and and, uh, something that you've even commented on. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing his uh, name correctly. Uh, The Heritage Minister, Stephen uh, Gilbold? Gilbold. Yeah. Um, basically, this is one of your articles uh, uh, saying uh, that his own department officials don't support his claims on regulating user-generated content. Right, yeah. No, so, I mean, that, and that stems from the fact that the government has been, and the minister, Gibo has been scrambling to come up with uh, an explanation for this significant change in course. Uh, you know, they've, they've even gone so far as to suggest this was really all about trying to please the music industry lobby um, where there were concerns about people who put music on YouTube and so that's why we wanted to make this change but of course that sounds like copyright reform not like not broadcast and so it seems little reason for them to have taken that approach and it's not anything that they even mentioned when they made the change to begin with you know what I was mentioning in that post was that the minister has tried to say you know look away there's nothing to see we're not regulating user-generated content. But yet when this change was proposed at the at the committee, so when the committee uh, was uh, studying this issue and the Liberals, Liberal government put forward a proposal to make this change, they went directly to his department to talk about what the implications would be. And the department official, a senior official said, listen, and I can quote, if the exclusion is removed, if Section 4.1 is struck down, the programming we upload to YouTube, that programming that we place on that service would be subject to regulation moving forward. 
And so what I've liked to say in response to people say, this can't really be real is, you know what, you don't have to take my word for it. You can take the word of senior officials at the Department of Canadian Heritage's word for it. The odd thing, of course, is that the minister doesn't seem to be taking their word for it. <laughs> it's a confusing time when it comes to content, uh, definitely. But uh, I, I guess in a nutshell, you're saying this is going to drag on for years. Well, I think if it passes in this form, yes. Um, you know, the minister has tried to tell the creative community, uh, happy days are coming. We're going to get you money by the end of this year, by the end of 2021. Uh, I think it's more likely that this is going to take at least five years before the CRTC sorts these issues out, before the legal processes and the legal challenges play themselves out as well. So, yes, if this passes, I think we are in for a long series of hearings and litigation, which is costly and doesn't really help anyone. But of course, the legislation hasn't passed yet. It is uh, still at committee. It still has to complete the final reading in the House of Commons and then has to be reviewed by the Senate. And so I would say there is still an opportunity for Canadians to tell their members of parliament that, you know, of course, we want to see appropriate regulation for the online environment, but regulating the speech of millions of Canadians simply isn't it. We're talking with Michael Geist uh, all about uh, Bill C-10 and uh, the government and uh, the CRTC looking to potentially regulate all user-generated content on the internet. And we will be following this story as it uh, evolves. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Before we go, uh, a cool new feature with Zoom. I know a lot of us are using the Zoom video conferencing, and now they've got a new kind of immersive feature that you should check out. Yeah, make sure you update the app because they just came up with this this past week. And this essentially is actually playing catch up with Skype and Microsoft Teams by giving you the ability to, instead of just being in a big, you know, Brady Bunch style cube of people, you can actually take all the people that are on your call. And there's different scenes that you can use depending on the number of people on your call. And you can actually have people in like a coffee shop, you know, like they're like behind the counter, like a barista and and across the table from you in, you know, a little kitchen nook, I guess. But there's also like an auditorium and some other fun ones as well. So, and it does a really good job of taking around the background around you, even without a green screen and sort of just plops everybody in instead of having that normal, boring black Zoom window that you have. Yeah, it kind of adds a little bit more fun to it. I, I think we're all getting a little uh, Zoom fatigue. Do you know what I mean? A little? Okay, a lot. I'm just, I'm going insane. <laughs> yeah. I'm going insane. So anything they can do to spice this up and yeah. just kind of make it feel like there's kind of a group of you there instead of just like the yeah the windows the thing i like about the this immersive feature is you can actually drag and drop people move them around arrange them like maybe how your office is actually laid out or you know you want to do the brady bunch thing you can have you know the guys on one side and the girls on the other like whatever you want to do you can just drag and drop them that's all the time we have left for the program don't forget to hit our website getconnectedmedia.com uh, we've got our contest up there giving away a couple $100 Amazon gift cards uh, all the information on what you need to do is up there on how to enter and don't forget to listen to our sister show Get Connected I'm all about uh, the digital tech world I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together including John, Christina and the rest of the team back at uh, the studio thanks for joining us You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.